0: So today we are starting this new series, um, and this series will conclude um, on Christmas Eve, and we will have Christmas Eve service, Uh, and so on Christmas Eve we will um, finish this series, but the series that we are, uh, again, going to enjoy through the next few several weeks as we celebrate Advent together is titled Great Joy for All. And as we work through, again, these coming weeks and all of the festivities and family gatherings and, and work parties and, and again, and Christmas shopping and, and all of the things that we go through, again, we hope that we will find joy in it all. And when we look at the Christmas story, again, I, I want to challenge myself as well as all of you, right, as a part of our faith journey, the Christmas season is very important, Right? And, and even with that said, it also can, can become very routine. It's right? something that even, again, we hear the, the same scriptures, the same story every year when we get to this, this part of the year. And so I just want to extend a challenge, again, for myself as well as to you, to say, let's make this Christmas season significant in our faith journey. Right, that we will not just walk through the, the, the routine of the festivities and of the Christmas story and the scriptures, but yet we will come to, to in front of God and say, God, I want to see you in a new way. Right? I, I want to see your story in a new way. And, and as we as we uh, enter this, this series, again, it's a challenge as a pastor to bring fresh messages every year as well. And so if you do that, then I want to go into this series focusing on Joy. Right? Because we, again, we can focus on so much during the season, and yet um, I want to focus on joy. And, and our, our theme verse for this series this year, for our Advent series this year, comes out of Luke chapter 2, verse 18. And this, this um, is verse comes out of the story of the shepherds when the angel appears to the shepherds. And it says, But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. And when we look at the Christmas story and all of the aspects of the Christmas story, notice again, what was the point? The angel said, I come and I bring you this good news of this Messiah, of this Christ child being born, and it will bring great joy to all people. And as we look at that again, because of the Christ child, right, is we can trade our fear for joy. But right, again, that's exactly what the angel says to the shepherds. He says, don't be afraid. I know this is all crazy, right? The, I mean, the heavens, you know, exploded in front of them in the night and, and chorus of angels singing all these things. And they say, don't be afraid. Instead, find joy. Now, there are many aspects to joy. And through this Christmas season, we're going to be look at the different parts of joy that when they're all combined add up to what joy really is. And so today, as we lit the candle of hope, we are going to look at the story of Mary and Joseph, how they both first reacted with fear when they heard the plan that they were suddenly a part of, and yet their fear was turned to hope, and that hope was turned to joy as they watched Jesus grow and develop and accomplish what he had been sent to earth to do. And so this morning, I want to open up God's word to Luke chapter 1, um, where we find uh, the story of Mary. And when she is is suddenly thrust into the middle of this uh, divine story of God sending the Messiah to the earth. So if you have your Bible with you, please open with me to Luke chapter 1. And uh, if you don't have your own Bible or don't have it with you, there are Bibles provided for you in the seat pockets. You're welcome to use one of those, and you'll see on the outline or the page numbers of where you can find this passage in that Bible. So we'll open up together to Luke chapter one, and we're going to pick up the story at verse 26. So Luke 1:26, where it says, "In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary." She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, "'Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you.'" Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. "'Don't be afraid, Mary,' the angel told her, "'for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High.'" The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Now, as we read this this passage, again, this description of Mary, as she is, uh, again, thrust into the middle of this Christmas story. Again, this was not something that she asked for. This was not something that she was expecting. Just all of a sudden, an angel shows up and says, hey, surprise, right? I mean, Mary was on this path in her life. She was moving forward. She was obviously a godly woman, but yet she was ready to to enter into marriage, to, to enter into this new season of her life, and she had no idea right? That, that God had a different plan, right? And yet the angel shows up okay, and, and, and we see, again, gives her this story, okay, And then we see her reaction, okay, and yet, as we say, the, her reaction of fear, which was her first reaction, right? And, and even confusion, which is probably understandable, right? I mean, here, this, I mean, Mary was a teenage girl, Right? And trying to, again, to, to, to process everything that this angel is telling her in the moment. Right? And so we get her reaction, even though it was a normal one, one of confusion and fear, it was, as we see by the end, she had hope in what was coming. Right? And with that, again, we see some reasons, again, why she and why Joseph this morning had hope. Okay, first off is she had hope because she belongs to God and we have hope because we belong to God. And here we see in verse 29, Mary's reaction. But right? again, she, I'm sure she is probably, and again, as you see, as we read the story, we can read through it pretty quickly. We have no idea how long the pause was, right? And you can just, uh, I mean, imagine, you know, as, as the angel's telling her this, and she's trying to process this. I imagine kind of a pause in the dialogue, right? And then Mary, again, confused, Right? In verse 29, she responds, it says literally, confused and disturbed. Right? As she tried to think, what could the angel mean? Again, with that fear, and I think, and again, in other other translations, it literally says fear. Right? Again, in the NLT, it says disturbed, which, uh, you know, and confused. Right? As she's trying to think through all of the logistics of how this can happen. Right? And again, her, her reaction is, is fairly normal, right? One of confusion and of fear and of being disturbed about like, well, you can imagine again, kind of a pressure, well, God, I, I had this kind of planned out and this was not a part of my plan. Right? How, how is this going to work out? And yet her reaction of fear is, is somewhat normal, one that we can probably identify with. Right? And normally when we get afraid or we have a situation we don't know about that is suddenly thrown in our lap, um, again, the, the normal response is one of three things when we're afraid and confused, right? It is to, to fight, to flight, or to freeze. Okay, so one, again, some people react with a fight, right? It's like, no, I'm gonna fight my way out of this. I don't want this situation. I'm gonna fight out of it, right? Or, or to leave, just get out of it completely, right? To run from whatever it is that we're afraid of, right? Or I think probably the more typical one, is to freeze, just to do nothing. Right? And just to be frozen in fear. Now, as we see as with this reaction to Mary, then, then the angel, you know, speaks again to her in verse 30, right? Where the angel tells her, Don't be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. It's very interesting that the angel gives you know, this reason of why she should not be afraid, right? Again, the angel's here to comfort her. They're not just deliver the message, but to cover her, say, don't be afraid. You don't have to be, that, that's, that, that does not have to be your reaction. But why? I mean, what's the reason why he tells her to not be afraid? Well, because she has found favor with God, right? He's, he's telling her, you belong to God. Like God is looking on you and God has, is blessing you with this situation. I know it doesn't seem that way right now. I know there's all kinds of questions in your mind, your heart, but yet don't be afraid because you belong to God and God has, has picked you. Right? You belong to him. I mean, the, again, the reason why we don't have to be afraid is because we belong to God. God created you and God loves you no matter where you are on your journey. That's true. You know, whether you, you don't know God at all, you've never joined the journey yet, or whether you've been journeying with him for years, it does not change the fact that God created you and God loves you and God chose you. He chose Mary for this specific role and he chooses all of us to be a part of his family as well. In Ephesians 1, verses four and five, it says this. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Right? Again, no matter where you are in your journey, God loves you, God chose you, and God wants to adopt you into his family. Right? And when you receive Christ as your Savior, that right, you move from God's creation to God's child. Right? And you already, again, belong to God, God has already said in there, it's like he has your adoption papers ready. Right? And says, all you have to do is accept it. Right, you, we are already his creation, right? And yet he wants us to be a part of his family. Again, he told Mary, you don't have to be afraid. You can have hope because you belong to God. God picked you. And that brings us hope. Again, hope for what comes ahead. We also can have hope because God's power is at work. Okay, we can have hope because God's power is at work. Again, uh, we see here uh, a little later, right? Is uh, Mary's question to the angel, right? Was well, how how can that physically happen? Because I'm a virgin. And now, now, times we can see this again. Her her question to to the angel again seems like, well, like why would you question that? I mean, here the angel's here. You know, she says. The angels told you that God's picked you, and this is what's going to happen. And, and yet, again, as she's, that's a part of how she's processing this, this news, right? As she's thinking logistically, like, well, how, how can that happen? Now, this was not a question um, of doubt, but it was a question of curiosity. But again, this was not her saying, like, I don't think God can do this. Right? This was her merely just reacting to this and saying, I'm not sure how God's going to do this. Right? And then the angel, again, explains to her in the following verses, right, about Elizabeth and about all these things. And then the conclusion that the angel gives in verse 37 is, for with God nothing shall be impossible. Now again, on your outline is the King James version of that verse. You might have noticed if you're following along in in some of the other Bibles that even I have an older version of NLT that says, impossible, yours, again, in the the Pew Bibles, right, say, for the word of God will never fail, right, which means the same thing. Again, that Greek phrase can be translated in a number of different ways. Like I said, the newer version of NLT changed it, right, to the God's word will never fail, right, but again, the, the connotation is that God can do anything God wants to do because he is the creator and he created us. And so he can do anything God wants to do. And so if God is moving you towards whatever it is, whether it's to be the the mother of the savior, like Mary, or whatever it is in your life, God can do it because God is God and nothing is impossible for God. That God is not bound by the laws of our world's Right God created our world. And so as we think about that concept, the fact that God's word will never fail, that nothing is impossible for him. I want to extend the question to you, what dream or goal has God put on your heart? Right? What dream or goal are you working towards in your life and in your faith journey? Can you accomplish that goal or dream without God's power? Because if you can, if you can accomplish that goal or dream without God's power, then that goal or dream is too small. Because nothing is impossible for God. And in fact, I will say is I think God gives us some of these goals and dreams that do seem impossible just so we can watch him work. Again, now when we think about that dream or that goal and, and how impossible it feels, right, then again, it does, God doesn't tell us that we won't have struggle. God won't tell us that there won't be times of confusion like Mary had in this moment. Right? But yet God does say, I can do it, and I can do it as I see fit. Right? Nothing is impossible. In fact, Jesus tells us right, that, that we can we can expect some adversity. We can expect some struggle, especially if it's something that God's doing. In, in John 16, Jesus says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Again, anything is possible for God. And Jesus is telling disciples, hey, you know what? You're going to have struggles. In this world, things are not going to be easy. Right? But stick with it. Keep going because I've overcome the world. Even with a God-sized dream and with God's power at work to accomplish it, it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. Or that you will not have times of fear and confusion like Mary had. But it does mean that it's, worth it if God is doing it. You hear me talk about journey classes in here. Right now we're in the middle of journey class four with a group of people. And in that class, that class is all about spiritual disciplines and about going and practicing these things daily in your life. And, and, and every, again, this is my favorite class. I love teaching class four okay, because I love to see what God does right, when, in, when they enter into that journey. Now, uh, again, this two weeks ago, we sat down as we, because, um, again, we meet every two weeks, and you see that kind of schedule in that. Last, last time we sat down and said, okay, how did the first two weeks go, and, and whatever, and, and there's a moment in the class when, as people were sharing their experiences, right, and I was like, now, okay, if you felt sabotaged or struggled in these last few weeks to do the tasks I'd given you, raise your hand, and literally every hand in the room goes up. And to say, and then again, the encouragement in that is say, now, look, we're all been struggling, but at the same time, if we feel sabotaged, that means the enemy does not want you to experience whatever's on the other side. Right? And so again, my encouragement to that class, my encouragement to you, if you have a struggle, you feel like God's given to you is keep going. Because if the enemy is messing with you to try and stop you do it, then the enemy is scared of where you're headed with God. Right? So keep journeying forward. Right? Because if the enemy is scared, whatever you're going to find on the other end of the struggle is worth it. Right? So keep going. Because in this world, you will have trials and sorrows. But take heart. Because God has overcome the world. Keep fighting. Because where you're going in your journey is worth it. Okay, now when we think about fighting through a situation, fighting through something that God has led you to do, we end up at Joseph's role in this whole story. And so I want to look at Joseph's role in Matthew chapter 1, okay, verses 18 through 25. So flip with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25, where Joseph gets visited and finds out his role in this whole story. So Matthew chapter one, starting at verse 16, says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiance, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Look, the virgin will conceive a child, she will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. Now, as we read this interaction that Joseph has, Again, he did not have the privilege of just an angel showing up to him, right, in uh, the way it did Mary. He had a dream, right, and a vision within a dream. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes you wake up and you remember these dreams and you think, was, was that real? Is that something I need to, what, what's going on? Again, you can imagine Joseph's probably confusion in that. But yet, even in the midst of that, we see by Joseph's actions, right, that he also had hope in this situation. Right? Now, he started out hopeless in this situation, right? Again, now, remember, the only person that really knew whether or not this was Joseph's baby was Joseph and Mary. Now right? You can imagine all of the rest of the people, I'm sure, had their own theories. Right? The only people that really knew the truth was Mary and Joseph. Right? And yet Joseph, again, took all of that shame on himself by accepting her as his wife. Because notice, first, he was hopeless, right? He came to that and says, you know what? I'll just dismiss her quietly. I won't publicly shame her, but I'm also not taking all of that on my shoulders until the angel showed up, right? And then we see again, why does Joseph then suddenly have hope in this situation? We have hope because God guides our steps. In fact, again, God told Joseph exactly what to do. Right? He says, hey, this is what's going on. I know this doesn't make sense, but this is what's happening. Okay, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? This is the chosen Messiah. These are the prophecies that are being fulfilled through this pregnancy. I notice Joseph had a responsibility because in their culture, it was the father that named the child. Right, And, and without Joseph, right, Jesus' upbringing would have been very different. And Joseph was just as important a part in this story as Mary was. And yet he, again, needed hope, right? That what he was doing the right thing, right? And he had hope because God gave him the steps to do. And then we see again that he moves from being hopeless in this future marriage of his, right? To being filled with hope by his actions. Because again, in verse 24 and 25, it says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. And then he completely followed through with that by naming the baby, Jesus. Joseph followed through, he he took the steps. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded. That's a huge, powerful phrase. It's one that we can read over and glance over quickly but I encourage you to not. Because as God guides us, we have to actually follow through. We have to actually do it. And in fact, this is the most important and the hardest part, right? Is to actually follow through. In fact, again, God knows our hearts. God, know, God knows that, that we are, our prone towards hopelessness about a situation, especially when we might not fully understand why God's asking us to do what he's asking us to do. So let's, again, James encourages us in James 1, verse 22, right? Where he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. Again, notice, again, he says, he's like, James sees and knows, right, that we, it's easy to listen to God's word. Like, that's not that hard, right? But actually following through and doing what it says is, is the harder step, right? Actually being obedient to the steps that God gives us, right, is, is the harder part. And notice he says, if you don't do that, you're not fooling anybody other than yourself. You're not fooling God. You're probably not even fooling other people right? You're just fooling yourself and giving yourself the own, you know, making yourself feel good and be like, oh, that's not what God really said. Or uh, there's all these reasons why, you know, but we got to remember that God can do the impossible. We belong to him, that hope comes from him and he guides our steps and we have to follow through. And lastly today, as we see again, how did Mary and Joseph find hope in the midst of fear? Okay, they found hope, and we can find hope because God is Emmanuel. Emmanuel is one of the many names of God that is given in Scripture. In fact, in Matthew one twenty-three, which we just read about Joseph, Isaiah 7.14 is quoted okay, in that passage. And Isaiah 17 says, look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. We have hope because God is with us. Even when it's hard, even when we're struggling, even when we're not sure if we're going to come out on the other side better off, we can know that God is with us. We know that we serve a savior that understands what it's like to be human, that understands what this world is like because he put on flesh and he dwelt among us in the person of Jesus, right? And and even after he died and rose again and ascended to heaven, he is still with us. He's poured out the Holy Spirit within our lives. He lives in the heart of every believer. Back in Hebrews 13 5b and 6 says, for God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Now, I don't know about you, what you think when you read that phrase, but yeah, I read that phrase and think, man, why can I not keep that in the forefront of my heart? Right? God is with me. He'll never abandon me. He'll continue. In fact, um, that's all that matters is that God's with me, right? I mean, because nobody else can do anything if I fail. And I'll tell you this, this weekend, literally this weekend, I've attended two different funerals. Okay? And in both of them, again, were people who loved God, right? And, and um, again, served him through their lifetime, and they were both people that loved people. Okay, and I'll tell you, there's nothing like attending a couple funerals that makes you remember what's really important. Right? And thinking, wow, you know, what can people really do to me? So with, as we think about that, again, the challenge of this Christmas season is saying, will we truly be a joyful people? As we walk through this Christmas season, a big part of joy is hope. Do I have hope for the future? Do I have hope that God is with me, that God is guiding my steps? And so my final thought this morning is I want to end again with this final thought that comes out of Jeremiah 29, 11. When it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, they are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. We have a hope for where God's leading us. And no matter how hard the step might be that God's directing you to take, right? it's probably not as hard as the step that God gave Mary and Joseph. And yet we can find a hope for the future.